The presence of the Lord is, uh, if we can control it, then shame on us, but we can't. And thankfully so. It's always important to remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He's more important than our programs. He's more important than our songs. Matter of fact, Jesus never told us to worship him, by the way. He told us to follow him. Now, worship we must. We, we are his created beings, but what's more important is that we follow him. And that we just listen to that still small voice that says, come here. Amen. I just sense the, the presence of the Lord is speaking to some people, so I'm just giving him a moment. Don't want to interrupt what the Lord is doing. We thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Second Kings chapter 4. Today we're going to continue and Pastor Jeff started this series on God's economy. And today I want to talk about freeing your future. I was given the task to talk about what the Bible says about debt and borrowing. So as you turn there, you can look at chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. I tell this story. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Then she left him, meaning the prophet, and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Put your hand there in your Bible. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to speak to us today. You cannot use your servant today, then work around me, but come Holy Spirit and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I wish I lived in my five-year-old's world. I wish I could live there. For months, his elementary school has called us to tell us that his lunch account fund is low. Sometimes twice a week they would call us. And we thought this was kind of curious considering that he takes his lunch to school. (laughs) 
But we told him that he could get a chocolate milk. And we wrote a note to his teacher and said he is allowed to get an ice cream on Fridays. So after a while, I got to thinking, that's some expensive milk at that school. And ice cream once a week. But we kept, you know, we just didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. We kept dropping $10 in here and $10 in there. Then this past week, someone from the cafeteria finally called my wife, Christy. They called and said, oh, writer's lunch account is low. And today, I just want you to know today, I felt bad because I had to tell him that he couldn't get a lunch, a milk, and an ice cream. But she said, I noticed that he had a lunchbox. Is he supposed to be getting all these things? <laughs> and Christy's like, no. Well, they tell us how we can get online and look up. Everything the kid has been buying. <laughs> this kid has been eating ice cream every day since September. <laughs> and even though we pack his lunch, from time to time he'd just get another one. He'd get snacks. He'd get a roll. And of course he'd get that chocolate milk too. And I thought... You know what? This is crazy. At first I was a little upset. And then I kind of admired the guy. As a matter of fact, I kind of wish I lived in my five-year-old's world. I mean, think about it from his perspective. He walks up to the counter, gives the lady a magic number, and she gives you ice cream. That's a pretty good deal. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't know where it comes from. He doesn't understand that he's robbing mom and dad blind. He doesn't know any of that. He saw something he wanted. He walked up. He gave a magic number. And boom! Instant gratification. Then I thought for a moment, oh. That sounds an awful lot like, uh, can anyone say... MasterCard, Visa, or American Express. I do the same thing, I thought. Only I end up paying for it later. And eventually instant gratification catches up with us, just like it did with Ryder. Just like it does with you and me. And today, we're talking about debt and borrowing, but I, I really want to entitle this message, Freeing Your Future. Debt can be defined in a lot of different ways, but simply stated, it is money owed to anyone for anything. That's a debt. And while scripture does not call debt or borrowing a sin, it does not. Everywhere it is mentioned in scripture, it is discouraged. It's discouraged. And we'll read some of these in just a moment. Now, having said all that, I know that all of us in this room probably have some debt. And if you're debt-free, then you need to listen the most. Because when we get to the end, you'll see why. But we probably all have debt. Most of us have mortgages, at least have mortgages. And then there's credit cards, and there's school loans, and there's car payments. And we live with these things. It is normal to have these things. And then... Sometimes trouble comes, situation changes, a crisis happens, 
The economy changes. And then we find ourselves in panic and we're stuck. Because that is an invisible shackle that seems weightless until we try to move beyond where it's willing to let us go. Then we feel it. Debt is not our friend. It's not our friend. I may have it. You may have it. But it's still not our friend. We should want to make debt history. We want to make debt history over our homes. And we want to make debt history over this church. Why? Because we want to free our future. We want to free our future. Getting into debt is a whole lot easier than getting out of it. I mean, it's easy to get credit and you get low payments and then there's the advertising illusions that help us make poor decisions sometimes. When the marketplace is always telling us, raise your standard of living by, buy, by buying what you want and you pay for it while you enjoy it. But the interest compounds. And it always works against you. And the resulting debt mortgages your future and actually sentences you to a lower standard of living. Especially if it gets way out of control. It could deprive your family of necessities. Debt robs you of freedom of choice because it has to be, it has to be a priority of your life. If not a top priority. Take this young mother that we just talked about in Elijah. This young mother whose husband had died and left her in debt. He was a good man. The scripture says that he was in the company of the prophets. He wasn't a bad person. Doesn't, doesn't say that he was you know, an undisciplined crazy person. But he had debt. And something unexpected happened. And the creditor came. And demanded that the debt be paid. And the creditor in this situation, my friend, is not the bad guy. He's not the bad guy. The husband made a promise. He made a covenant. Let that be a lesson to us. The Bible says, let our yes be yes and our no be no. You sign a promissory note, honor your promise. It should be honored. The Christian should pay his debt. But she didn't have any money. She was in a crisis. And so she called on Elisha. It's the same thing as calling on God. That's how it worked in the Old Testament. You called on God by grabbing a prophet. And saying, we need God. And she tells him, the creditor is threatening to sell my children. Now thankfully, we've got rules in this country. We don't let it get that far. Or do we? We'll think about that in a moment. The creditor is going to come and take my children and put them in slavery. Everything was fine until something unexpected happened. Do we really count the costs before we sign the bottom line? Luke 14, 28 says this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money? To complete it. Whenever you're looking at a situation. 
whether it's a card in your hand or a note in front of you, you should always count the cost. So what about counting the cost? Romans 13.8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. So you got to count the cost because, see, owing money often hinders your ability to love. Think about how much more you could love and be generous if you did not have the hindrance that required you to put some of your hard-earned money to a debt. The owing money often hinders your ability to love. And not just in a general sense. I mean, what if you owe somebody? Somebody like a friend. I mean, what's that, what's that saying? You never loan money to family? Why? Because it's, it can cause friction. It can co- Wouldn't it be great if a friend, a family Remember, was in need and you had no debt and no restriction and you can actually just help them. And then owed, no one owed anybody anything. That often hinders our ability, can hinder our ability to love. Proverbs 22, 7 says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Pastor Jeff talked about this last week. You become a slave. To your lender. That's harsh language. But it's true. You're bound. You're constricted. You're prohibited. There's just certain things you now cannot do. Because you're a slave. You're chained. You can't move beyond a certain place. You can't help. You can't move. I can't. I can't just say. You know what? I I think I I think I want to live in Jesmond County. And just pack all my stuff up and leave. They're going, they're going to say, hey, you have a mortgage on this house. Uh, you can't just pack up and leave. You, you, you've got to settle this here. You probably need to try to sell your house. Or you can leave, but you still need to make that house payment. So I'm, I'm restricted. I'm a slave now. I can't do something that I feel like I'm supposed to do. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoa! That's some pretty harsh language too. We take on debt, we run the risk of not being able to provide those things, not just to our family, but to our relatives. That's what the Bible says. You know, the New Testament church, they lived in community, whether they were related or not. So if there was this shared sense of community among all Christians, that we should all help each other out, can you imagine how more intense the responsibility was to bear one another's burdens and to share and to help one another just within family units? This was a very strong sentiment in the early church. And you run the risk every time we tie up funds 
you run the risk of not being able to use that to help provide to help your relatives and our families. We run the risk. So, okay, we can see all these hindrances. Let's talk about then how do we free our future. The first thing I want to tell you is stay unsettled until it's settled. Stay unsettled until it's settled. This has challenged me. Don't be fooled. Debt is not our friend. And maybe you feel like your debt is a mountain that just probably will never be completely moved. Just pick up one rock and toss it. Then you pick up another little rock at that mountain and you toss it. You don't, you don't stop attacking that mountain till it's gone. Don't settle. Don't build a house on the mountain. Don't start, don't start liking the mountain thinking that this is the only way. We gotta keep the right kind of attitude. We gotta keep the right kind of spirit. That young mother wasn't willing to mortgage her son's future on death's wrath. She wasn't going to do it. She wasn't going to give in to the creditor's suggestion, did she? She didn't say, okay, here, take my sons. Let's just be done with this. No, she was unsettled. We can see it when we read the story. She was unsettled about it. She, she, this was not going to go down like this. They weren't going to have a future in bondage. She peered into the future. And she didn't like what she saw. And so she sought help. And maybe maybe we at times can get in over our heads. Then we need to do what she did and seek help. Seek the Lord. Consult with a financial advisor. Take a class. Talk to a friend. But don't settle with the lie that you can never be free from debt. Don't settle with that lie. Concerning debt... Stay unsettled until it's settled. I'm not gonna be set, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna settle for having debt over my life, for the rest of my life. No, I'm gonna stay unsettled about it. I'm gonna keep it at the forefront of my mind. I'm gonna use that unsettledness to help me pray and to think and to plan. Don't get cozy with your debt. Don't get cozy with your MasterCard and Visa. We all can do it. We all probably have done it at some point. Stay unsettled until it's settled. And the second thing I want to tell you is stop the madness. Stop the madness. You've got to make a decision. You've got to come to the point where you put an X on the calendar and you say, you know what, from this point on, no more borrowing for any purpose. What's the point of chopping away and chipping away on one side of the mountain when you're just building it up on the other? At some point, you've got to cut it off and say, okay, this is it. No more borrowing. No more. And if the temptation is too great, then stay out of the mall. Cut up the card. Learn to say no to those sell pitches. Don't watch, what is it, QVC. Man, there's some cool stuff on QVC. But you know what? Say no to the no strings attached. Hey, there's no string attached when you say no. It works just like that. I'm one of those types of people. 
If you show me a demonstration, I'll probably want it. Look at this vacuum cleaner. It works on its own. You don't even have to touch it. And it sucks up all the dirt. It knows when it's on a rug or when it's on hard floor. And it'll even spray and mop it for you. And then you come show me. I'm going to want that thing. So JP, I know this about myself. Don't watch demonstrations. I've got a good old vacuum cleaner and an arm that still works. I can get my floors clean. You don't need that thing. Thirdly, start small and trust God. Smart, Start small. Elijah said to the young woman, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she's like, I don't have anything but this small jar of Crisco. I mean, I don't have anything but a jar of oil. Start with what you have. It may be small. But small things in the hand of God have a way of becoming extremely significant. Extremely significant. Listen, I can't promise you that your situation will turn out like that young woman's. But I also cannot promise you that it won't. I can't, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that, man, can God perform miracles? He absolutely can. But you know what? She had to start with what she had. She had to take what little she had and used it for God's purposes. I can't make any promises that you'll have a miracle like that, but I also can't tell you that you won't. What I can say to you is that God wants your future free too. He wants your future free too. And if you've got an attitude that's unsettled, and you're going to stay that way until it's settled, if you take on a personal philosophy that's, I'm going to stop the madness, and we're not going to do that anymore, we're not going to take on any more debt, and then you start taking what you have and trusting God with it, and chipping away at it, Yes, I believe God is faithful and true and will help you and provide for you. And your standard of living won't decrease. There's no such thing as a lowest standard of living. If you're drawing close to God, he's drawing close to you. What more could you want in life? Have we not learned this lesson? Have we not seen millionaire after millionaire after millionaire take their own life? After having everything in the world at their fingertips. You don't have to have everything. All you really need is to trust God. He like has everything. He holds everything. Proverbs thirteen eighteen says, He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. But whoever heeds correction is honored. And so I want to challenge you to ask God, how much, how much of my current debt and limitations are a result of not seeking you first? I've had to ask myself the same question. Ask God. The debt and the limitations that I have on my life, how much... Did I really seek you in those decisions? Did I really seek you in your guidance when I made those calls? And if anything comes to mind regarding your debt that you think you need to be forgiven of, then just confess it to God and ask for his forgiveness. 
First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Just because you have the debt doesn't mean you have to carry around the sin. That might have got you there. Today isn't about condemnation. Today is about starting fresh. Today is about freeing your future. And if God needs to deliver some correction to us and to our, to our lives, then let's just ask him. Let's seek his face and let's listen to what he says. Because when you look at the state of your flock, like Pastor Jeff taught a few weeks ago, when you look at your dead, do you see a future that is free, full of possibilities, that's limitless? Or do you see a mountain so big you feel like, JP, I'll never be able to move that thing. Yes, you can. With God's help, you can. You can free your future. The music team would come. Look at what happened with this young mother. It's just a simple lesson today. Look what happened. She said, I got one jar of oil. That's all I've got. What good is that? Ah, Elijah says, ah, I can see the prophet. He's a prophet, so he's a knower. One jar, he's thinking, devoted to the Lord. Oh, it's more than you can think. What counts is not the amount that you have, but whether it is utterly devoted to the purposes of God. Elijah said, listen, you're going to have to go borrow some vessels. Go borrow some jars. Go grab as many as you can. Empty them out. Borrow as many as you can. Go get them. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know for sure, but I can imagine that that young widow was probably a little perplexed. Okay, what's going on here? But she trusted the man of God. Why? Because she trusted God. And she did as he said. And when she had gathered shelves full of empty jars, Elijah said, all right. Now I want you to go into the kitchen with your two sons and let them watch. Pour your one jar of oil into all the other jars of oil. It's important for the boys to watch you. It's important for your family to see you trust God. And she looked at Elijah, probably with a little bit of doubt in her face, like, okay. But Elijah didn't say anymore. I could just see the prophet. I can see the knower. Just looking at her as if to say, look, do you trust God? Do you trust the God of the universe to do more than what human beings can do? And she takes the jar and she goes with her sons and she shuts the door. She does what she's told and she begins to pour. And it starts coming out. Now we know she has at least one jar full. So no no real emotions probably going on in that moment other than a little bit nervous. Don't want want to spill what little bit I have. She empties her little jar out to the Lord, really. Because this is a moment of faith. And that jar fills up. And without moving, they take the jar and the sun's popping another one. And the jar is still going. And it's still going. And it gets full. 
and the sons, one of them takes the jar I can see, and another son puts one underneath the flood. And she keeps going. She's just pouring it out. And when it gets full, one one son takes the jar away, and another one throws another one empty in there. They fill up every jar in the house. She's looking around like, this thing's still going. I'm probably spilling oil all over the floor. Somebody give me a jar. And the sons are like, we filled them all up. And this stops. I can see all three of them standing around in that kitchen looking at each other going, can you believe what just happened? Can you just believe what God just did? I can't imagine. Probably the presence of God was probably in that kitchen. You can't be in a miracle like that and not sense and be conscious of the miracle of God and the presence of God in that moment. And she comes out of the kitchen and she finds the prophet Elijah and says, my jar of oil. I love this. My jar of oil has become many jars of oil. And the prophet, I can see having a little smile on his face. Probably said the sweetest words to her that she's never heard. Go and sell the oil. Pay your debt. There'll be more than enough. You and your sons can live on the rest for the rest of your life. Your future is free. Would you bow your heads all across this room? This morning, the question of God to you is simple. Is your future free? Do you want your future to be free? Free from any limitations, whether you're debt free or not. But especially if you have debt and limitations on your life concerning money. And you can see how, yeah, I'm not free. And I won't be really free until I get rid of this thing. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what? It's time for me to get unsettled about this. I've settled. I need to get, I don't have to live for the rest of my life with this gorilla on my back. I'm going to be unsettled until it's settled. I'm going to stop the madness, cut up the cards, stop taking out more money, and I'm going to take what little I have and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to stay faithful in my tithe and my giving. I'm going to stay faithful in chipping away at my debt. And every time I make a little extra payment, Every time I give a little extra, I'm going to say a prayer. This is my little jar of oil, Lord. Make it many. Make it many. Bless it. I'm doing my part, Lord. Now I'm asking you to help and to provide for me and to take care of me and my family. Because just like that little young widow, Lord, I want to be able to sit in my house around the table and I want my family to be able to see that what we have is a result of not 
how hard mom and dad works, but because God is good and that he provides for us. How many be honest in this room this morning and say, you know, I feel challenged. What you said this morning has challenged me, JP, and I'm going to take on a different attitude. I want to have a different perspective concerning my debt, and I want my future free. I just want to pray a simple prayer over you, and then we'll go. But if that's you, and you feel like the Lord has spoken to you this morning, can I see your hand real quickly? It's just a moment of faith to say, yeah, I'm I'm feeling it. I sense it. The Lord is speaking to me. Lord, I pray for everyone that raised their hand this morning. Many raised their hand. I raised my hand, Lord. I want nothing more than to be totally free to be able to go and to do whatever it is you want me to go and do. I don't want any limitations on my life. And I know there are many in this room who raise their hands. They don't want limitations either. And so today, may you empower them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, may you give them the strength and the boldness. Would you put a righteous unsettledness in them concerning their debt? That they won't be settled until it is settled. That, Lord, that you would help them in making decisions. Lord, not to go into any more debt. And to begin to make a plan. To seek out help if needed. To make plans to chip away at that mountain until it is gone. Lord, I pray for freedom. I pray that all of our futures would be totally free to do whatever it is, Lord, you're calling us to do. To be able to bless those you're calling us to bless. To help those you're calling us to help. Lord, may nothing shackle us. May we be a church free. May our homes be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.